0: Alrighty, guys. Welcome back to another episode of Call to Comeback podcast. I'm here with uh, obviously Bob McGinnis, uh, roommate Matt McHale here, and uh, we have a special guest today, uh, Justin Penick, uh, host of Talking Giants at John Boy Media. Uh, we love listening to his stuff. Him and uh, Bobby Skinner do a great job, uh, especially for the Giants community. How you doing today, Justin?
1: Fellas, we're winners. At least if you're Giants fans, at least if you're Giants fans, you know we're we're a bunch of winners, and you know, we're celebrating a. victory monday night together and i'm pumped to be with you guys
2: yeah justin it's awesome to have you on um tom and i we record this show once a week and usually we bring on um a friend or two here in person but it's always nice doing a a a phone call with you know someone else who's in the podcast community uh we actually brought on another giant um guy who's very popular on Twitter, Alex Wilson. I'm not sure if you're familiar with him. Uh, He has a very big, giant following. We had him on last semester, and it was a good time.
1: Well, if I would have known that you guys do stuff in person, uh, invite me down to Baltimore, Maryland. Maybe uh, take me out to dinner or something. <laughs> I'd love to come down. I
0: there wish the uh, re- I wish the Giants were playing at Baltimore um, the week after the Packers game. That'd have been a, a sick game to go to at M&T, but they're in Jersey.
2: Yeah, and we'd love to take you out to dinner, Justin. But you know how it is, college students. So I mean, we could treat you to a very nice True. meal plan uh, dinner if if you're cool with that.
1: <laughs> oh, I I, I want to be back in the dining hall. You you don't you know <laughs> you don't know what I give to be back in the dining hall. So. Uh, <laughs> Let's do it. Let's do it, fellas. What do you What do you got?
2: <laughs> hey, well, we got a uh, we got a couple questions for you here today. Um, so, we're particularly when you talk about giants, but just to open up the show, I actually I want to know a little bit about you know what you do on a day to day basis with John Boy Media and talking giants.
1: Yes, yeah, so uh, I do a lot of different things, and I and I kind of pride myself on being a, quite a versatile employee at, at John Boy Media because um, not only am I on the content side of things and that's what a lot of people see but probably what I'm doing more than content is I'm an editor I edit videos that Bobby Skinner puts out Um, I edit some of my own videos that I put out on the content side of on the content side of things and then I'm also a producer so uh, I'm a show producer for Talking Giants and basically any episode that rolls out from Talking Giants I'm kind of responsible for the quality of it Um, I'm responsible for you know Handling, communicating with the sales team when we have ads, and this is the schedule of the show, and this is what we can deliver to certain sponsors if we put out certain products and videos and things like that. So, um, you know, Bobby Skinner is content, and basically anything that comes out from Bobby, it's also coming through me, and I am making sure that the the product itself it looks good, sounds good, et cetera, et cetera. So that's a lot of what I do with the. Uh, John Boyd Media, both the Talking Giants and then also we have JM Football that we're really trying to attack this year, that YouTube channel as well.
2: That's awesome. It sounds like you're uh, very well-rounded, um, and I, obviously that's a big thing in, in the industry that you work in. So I guess for those listening, um, and I guess us at the table as well, who kind of have aspirations of potentially being in the industry of sports entertainment, uh, what advice could you give to someone who's you know, high school age or, or college age or, or perhaps just graduated? What, what would be your best advice?
1: Be authentic, be genuine, be you. Um, I started this as a criminal justice major when I was a sophomore junior in college. And when I was interning down in D.C. for a semester, uh, the fall of the 2018 season, I was podcasting and I was talking with my buddy David Powis um, from my roommate's closet because he had a walk in closet that was very spacious, but it smelled like feet. <laughs> so I would talk in there. So I always, you know, you always got to. You know, kind of remember where you come from, but also remember why you're you're doing it. And why I started what I started is because I wanted to build a community of people who are like-minded of me, obviously being Giants fans, and building up a community of people that want to watch and talk about the Giants together. No pun intended, the talking Giants. But <laughs> um, that's why I started. I didn't start it to make money. I didn't start it to have it as a career. I started as a hobby because I just wanted to gather and grow a community of people and if you go in with good intentions and you are authentic you are genuine and people will see right through you if you're not but they will also see you if you are genuine authentic and if you are yourself as well so that's why i feel like you know both bobby and i we've we've grown this thing is we have been ourselves and you know kind of the the good success and the it's come along the way because of that element of us being genuine and authentic
2: That sounds like some awesome advice. Uh, And, you know, personally, Justin, I'm a Jets fan, so talking Giants isn't really something that I enjoy doing unless it's talking bad about the Giants and and (laughs) kind of just going back and forth with my friends. But Matt and Tom here, they listen to you a lot, and they have some questions uh, as well as myself. So without any further ado, again, no pun intended, let's talk some Giants.
1: Let's do it.
0: All right, Justin, I got a, a question to start us off here. So obviously the Giants are sitting at 3-1 right now. Um, schedule hasn't been the hardest, obviously. I, I know the Giants have a, an easier strength to schedule this year, quote-unquote. But, I mean, you still have to go out there and win games, and we, and we haven't seen much of that the last five years, obviously, as you know. So what do you think is, like, the sole reason that the Giants are 3-1 right now? Would you say a specific player or players or the scheme that the Giants are using or just the coaching staff in general? Who's your, what do you really point to?
1: Well, heading into this year, the one thing that I wanted to see out of the Giants was the coaching elevating the talent. And so I am going to really say the coaching, number one, and then obviously you can point to Saquon Barkley being you know, one of the best players in the NFL, being definitely the best running back in the NFL right now, uh, as being a number two. But I do think there is a pretty steep gap because Saquon Barkley is one player and the coaching staff is responsible for you know the three phases of the game, special teams, offense, defense, right? But heading into this year, it was we know that Joe Shane has a lot of movement that he wants to do with the roster, and still there are still big decisions that are still left to be made, as in what is the future of Saquon Barkley? What is the future of Daniel Jones? What is the future of Kadarius Tony, who was our first-round pick last year? I, like, I, I am not convinced that he is going to be on the team next year. In fact, right now, I'm leaning toward, towards him not being on the team next year. Plus, yep. there's so many other draft picks that you know you have coming up. Is Joe Shane going to continue to trade back and acquire picks? There's so much movement that still has to happen with this roster, especially when you look up and down it. So the main thing this year is how can the coaching elevate the talent? And to the first four games of the season, even in that one loss that we've had, they've elevated the talent. And they've kept the Giants in games. And games that we would have lost in the past, I mean, we have – Won those games, so I'm very, very happy to see uh, the results of the coaching staff so far.
3: Yeah, so Justin, um, I know we're all ecstatic about three and one, but the one thing that we haven't spoke about yet is uh, the one loss we had. You know, Tom and yeah. I, we went to MetLife all the way from Baltimore. It was a painful three and a half hour drive both yeah. ways, but um, the one thing that I was looking at, I saw I was. Listening to your uh, podcast, and you know, the Giants' defense, you know, they come out like they're kind of forced to come out in the nickel package, right? Because we don't have the strength in the in- interior. So, I was telling Tom before the game, you know, we got to stop Pollard, we got to stop Zeke, the run game. And it was just really frustrating to see, you know, the box so light, and they were gaining minimum of four to five yards of carry. So, do you think like the interior defense, you think that's like, um, do you think we're going to have to rebuild? Is that part of the rebuild? Or do you think we're going to have to address it now? Like, What are your thoughts on that?
1: Well, especially without Leonard Williams. I mean, without right. Leonard Williams, you're running out. You know, Nick Williams, who was the guy that we signed right before training camp. Um, there was a practice squad, interior defense alignment. I don't even feel bad not knowing his name, just because he's been elevated the last two weeks. Um, he got hurt this, this past Sunday um, yeah. against the Bears. So hopefully Leonard Williams is back. Um and then obviously Justin Ellis, who is a one year kind of just replacement nose tackle, who's been all right this year. But I mean without Leonard Williams, it's bad. And what Dallas did is they did a good job of even going outside the tackles too, which those interior defense alignment, you know, they're they're part of, you know, pushing that pocket, pushing back that offensive line where, you know, you can just because a run is going toward the outside and outside the tackles, that doesn't mean that the interior defense alignment are irrelevant. But What's even worse than the interior D line, I think, is the interior linebackers. Um, With like Austin Colitro was just flat out benched, and the (laughs) the Giants, the Giants actually signed an interior linebacker from Buffalo who was in his ninth season. Mm -hmm. They did that just tonight, so I have a feeling that Austin Colitro is going to be cut after him having a solid preseason. But there's a reason why that Austin Colitro has been on like half the teams in the NFL. (laughs) because he's not very good, and he's danced around from team to team, and the Giants made the conscious choice to cut Blake Martinez and or Blake Martinez didn't want to be a part of the Giants. That situation is still a little murky, but that's even more of a worry for me. The interior linebacker room than the interior defense lineman room, especially when you're talking about, I do think Leonard Williams is going to be back hopefully for the foreseeable future. He he doesn't really have a, a track record of missing a lot of games, and Dexter Lawrence has also been the best Giants defensive player to start this season. He's been one of the best interior defensive linemen in the National Football League. So feel all right about the interior D-line, but it's those linebackers that still a little worried about. But Jalen Smith, and the addition of him, they elevated him from the practice squad this past week. I feel much better about them with Jalen Smith activated.
0: Yeah. No, Justin, you're 100% right. I was actually just about to touch on that. I think one of the reasons why, Ah, uh, Tate Crowder had such a good game yesterday. I mean, all the f- giant fan base loves to to hate on Crowder when he doesn't play well, but I mean, give the guy some props. Yesterday, he had a sack, he had eleven tackles, I believe. Yeah. He was all over the field, and I think a reason for that was because Jalen Smith let him play his style of football. Because Jalen Smith is a is a great athlete. I know he's not what he was with the Cowboys. He's obviously a little bit washed up. He's been he's been banged up a lot through his career, but he he's solid in coverage. He's quick to the football. He he's a linebacker I, I want on my team, honestly. So I'm really happy. That he uh, replaced Calitro yesterday. And I thought that let Crowder play free and easy, especially in Wink Martindale's system. Everyone loves pressuring the quarterback. So, I mean, that's big. Uh, we know our linebackers obviously are, we, we don't have a good linebacking group. Like, it's, it's obviously bottom of the league. That's going to be something that I think Joe Shane uh, this offseason, I think that and cornerback is going to be his biggest um, worry. And then obviously, depending on what happens with Jones, it's going to be also quarterback. Um, so, we'll see. But w- I want to ask you real quick, what are your thoughts on the Giants bringing in Landon Collins um, this morning for a visit? I mean, it's a, it's a familiar face. I was a little shocked uh, to see that. He's only 28, honestly. Like, you would, you'd think he's a little older than that. But uh, what are your thoughts on that?
1: Well, speaking of linebacker depth, uh, the Giants need it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, like par- it's, like par- it's, like, partially a joke, but it is true. And because of how often Wink Martindale – like, we're not talk- – this is not Patrick Graham's scheme, where Patrick Graham's scheme had two safeties playing back. It was, yeah. you know, the two – the too high coverage, right? Where you're preventing the explosive play. Wink Martindale has Julian Love in the box. He has Xavier McKinney in the box. Tony Jefferson was signed from Baltimore, which I'm interested to see what actually happens with Landon Collins. And if he signed like Tony Jefferson, I thought, you know, there was, I thought they were kind of excited about him. He's a little bit older, whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm not, you know, I'm not stressing about Tony Jefferson, but I'm just curious to see, you know, what, what will happen with them. But anyway, Landon Collins does fit what, Wink wants to do and you know because he will be exclusively playing in the box I don't think he's good in coverage at all I think he kind of showcased that towards the latter end of his Giants tenure that he was not good in coverage Washington gives him that big contract and then Washington eventually towards the latter end of his time in Washington he's like exclusively playing in the box and he's playing like linebacker Mm -hmm. and Washington asked him to like change positions and he's like no I'm not doing that um so Giants need in the box depth, as you guys, you know, you talked about before, especially when you saw against Dallas how they were able to kind of pick us apart. And you look at the opponents that we have the next couple of weeks. You have Green Bay; uh, they're really trying to run the ball this year because they don't have many targets to throw the ball to. You know, sounds similar to the Giants, except you still have Aaron Rodgers as their quarterback. Um, you have the Baltimore Baltimore Ravens, which all they want to do is run the ball, right? And then you have Jacksonville Jaguars, which they're kind of a versatile offense that can kind of do it all right now. So um, I would be for it, but. I don't know it's, I, I don't I don't see the ultimate like huge benefit of bringing in Landon Collins signing him to whatever he's going to want versus you already have a guy like Tony Jefferson who that's like his role anyway so
0: I agree with that definitely and I mean not to mention Dean Belton who's honestly I think he's been slept on by a lot of people um, yeah. he's he's been great when, uh, when he's out there for the Giants so far this year the draft pick from Iowa so I mean D- defense is definitely playing over their heads with, with who we have on our defense. Um, there's obviously no, no crazy big names, but I mean, Winks got them playing out of their minds right now, so I'm, yep. I'm hoping that keeps up. But uh, just, just to move on here. So we saw a ton of running yesterday from the Giants uh, against the Bears. The Giants really established uh, the run game with Barkley but not to mention also uh, Daniel Jones. I mean, it was really good to see Jones with the read option, those those play-action bootlegs fooled Chicago. I, I can't even tell you how many times it fooled Chicago.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But um, it's just great to see Kafka with a good game plan for Jones. Uh, do you want to see this moving forward? Do you want to see the Giants as like a run-first team and only really throwing the football if we have to? Because I think that's when we're at our best, and I think our run blocking is definitely superior to our uh, pass blocking.
1: Well, I don't think they have a choice. It's so crazy that Brian Dable and Mike Kafka, two of the more past-heavy minds in the National Football League, are now coming to the Giants, and we're calling games like we're in the 1980s and 1990s. But, I mean, it's a good good thing right now because the Giants are running the ball well, and they're running it efficiently. But we have no choice. Like, compared to maybe years past where you know, the Giants are maybe trying to quote-unquote establish the run, but the running game's not there. At least you're looking at the wide receivers, and it's like, well, there's something there. You know, you have a healthy Sterling Shepard. You have, uh, you know, let's say a a Golden Tate. You have Kenny Galladay last year through the the first four games of the season where he was not what he is right now. Like, Kenny Galladay actually for the the first half of last year was actually pretty decent. He doesn't doesn't get enough credit for that. Uh, But right now, very different story. Yeah. So it's not even like you have that. I mean we we've reached a new level of low in terms of how bad our skill position our skill position players are outside of Saquon Barkley. I honestly think it's reaching like 2017 levels where after Brandon Marshall, Odell Beckham Jr. after all those guys get hurt, I honestly think this is this is the level that we're at right now. So there's nobody open. I mean there's just nobody open for Daniel Jones to throw to. So I think they looked at it through the first 3 weeks of the season And, you know, Mike Kafka and Brian Dable said, Daniel Jones is extremely pressured. The average depth of target that he's throwing is still tremendously low, and he's holding on to the ball for the longest amount of time in the NFL. Like, all of those things were true. What can we do to make some of these things not a reality? And that was, hey, the Bears are selling out against the run. They are really, really bad at stopping the run. So they were going after Barkley, and then Jones did an awesome job of kind of just pulling that ball out with those ball fakes. And then it led either – you have somebody running across or down the field, whether it's Tanner Hudson, David Sills, or, or then Daniel Jones were kind of just tucking and run. So it was, a, it was a great game plan. And will the Giants continue in the future? Yes, because I don't think they have a choice because I think David Sills is worse than Kenny Galladay. I think Kenny Galladay is bad. I think they don't trust Darius Slayton, even though Darius Slayton is the only one that could take a top off the defense. But what what does Darius Slayton do well other than run a straight line? I mean, he can't even catch the ball when he's running it in a straight line. Uh, Richie James is the best wide receiver on the team. Yet this is a guy that's come from a practice squad that had, you know, barely, you know, maybe barely even 20 catches in his career before this year. Wanda Robinson's a rookie, and I still do think Richie James is better than him at this point, and that's not a knock on Wandale, it's just that he's a rookie, and Kadarius Toney can't be trusted on either for whatever reason that we don't know in the building, but also he's not healthy, so (laughs) not to just get doom and gloom, but the wide receivers are in a very, very bad spot where the Giants, I don't think they have any other choice but
2: to kind of be a run-first team. Yeah, Justin, I, I think the issue, the thing with Kadarius Tony, right, you talk about injuries or, or whatever reason he's not on the field. As a Jets fan, it doesn't remind me of anyone else besides Denzel Mims. Um, now, for Denzel Mims' case, I'm pretty sure it's because he can't pick up the playbook. And the limited snaps that he had last year and in the preseason, you see him turning back to the quarterback, Zach Wilson, le- looking like he doesn't understand w- what the play is or, or what's going on. Now, I'm not sure if that's the same case for, for Tony. The question's not talent. I mean, there's there's something else going on there. And like you said uh, earlier in the show, his future is definitely in question with this Giants team.
1: Yeah, I don't think it's the playbook. I've never gotten that impression from either of the two coaching staffs or, mm-hmm. or just watching him on the field. I don't think he looks confused. I honestly just think this coaching staff and Joe Shane, I love how lockstep they are in this. Sometimes You you love it, but then you also get frustrated because yeah. they have their guys, and if you don't fit a certain mold of what they're looking for, they will not play you, and you will not be part of the team. It ha- It's happening with Tony right now. I think it happened with Blake Martinez. The Logan Ryan cut earlier in the offseason made no sense financially, but Logan Ryan still... I think a good quality player in the NFL, but for whatever reason did not fit what this new regime wanted. You will not be part of Joe Shane and Brian Dables giants. If you do not fit what they are kind of looking for, Kenny Galladay is making how much money. And basically I think if the giants had it their way, Colin Johnson would be getting reps. The majority of reps over Kenny Galladay. And that's just because of a torn Achilles that he got. That's the only reason why that's not happening. Yeah. So, yeah, man, it's it, it's it's crazy. Where you know, I don't think it's the playbook, but I think it's something about Tony. Whether he doesn't care enough about football, I think maybe he cares about some of the wrong things. And I'm not saying his rap career, you know, go and have a hobby, <laughs> you know, I mean, go sure and they're. live your life. I don't care about your rap career, but I just don't think Darius Tony really cares about football all that much. And it's a shame because I think he has the potential to be a superstar talent in the NFL. Mm -hmm.
2: And he might be with, with a different team eventually.
1: I think that is extremely likely.
2: Yeah. I mean, as, as a Jets fan, seeing constant rebuild and constant turnover, I do just want to touch on uh, Dable and Shane a little bit. It seems like the Giants made the right decision, at least so far. And, and I said this earlier to Tom, actually, on our walk to the studio today. I said, look, if the Giants were 3-1, and one, the Giants are 3-1 right now, right? and i think it's still a little too early to to start putting brian dable in the coaches hall of fame um however if they were 1 and 3 right now we'd be saying the same thing it's too early so so yeah it's it's too early to tell but you see certain things out of dable and shane that um you want, that that you love to see right dable's he's getting on the players when they make mistakes there's a lot of discipline mm-hmm. on the giants team and even though this could have easily been a throw in the towel, let's tank, you know, rebuild type of year for a first year GM and a first year coach. They're putting a product on the field. Now it might not be super quality, but it's been getting the job done and these guys are competing. And I know that some of the games have been close, but even if they went the other way, the close game where they where they beat the Titans, if they would have lost that game, you could still come away very happy with the way they competed. Same thing with the Panthers games. I, I understand there wasn't a lot of touchdowns scored, but they were in that game till the last second and Fortunately for Giants fans and for the Giants, they came away victorious. But even if they lost those games, you're seeing the right things from uh, the early stages of this new regime.
1: But obviously, I like it even more, and I like it tremendously more that they are 3-1, because I really, I adamantly believe, and I have said this all throughout this offseason, such a sick sick and bothersome point that I saw that people said, about this 2022 season is that the season doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Not even worth watching. Uh, you know, not not tanking for the draft pick, but worry about the draft pick. Blah blah blah. The only culture that matters in the NFL is a winning one. It's the only culture that matters. You know, we heard for years, and you know, when Dave Guttelmun was here with Pat Sherman and Joe Judge, that the culture in the building is good. Blah 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 blah. The only culture that matters is a winning one. You're going to keep a locker room by winning games. You will lose a locker room by losing games. That that is what matters. There's no gray area. And you see, when Andy Reid took over for the Chiefs, they went from one of the worst teams in the NFL up to 11 wins. When Sean McVay took over for the Rams, I think they went up to double-digit wins. You you see, whenever the best teams in the NFL, when they have started with really nothing, especially without their franchise quarterbacks I'm really talking about here, When kind of teams have started with nothing, a lot of these major teams, I think the 49ers, too, went from one of the worst teams in the NFL, and then they even, you know, their win total jumped up a little bit in Kyle Shanahan's first year. So you look all around the NFL, teams don't get better by being worse, by getting worse, and then astronomically getting better. They get better by a gradual climb up. Gradual climb up. And the quarterback will come. Joe Shane and Brian Dable, they will eventually find somebody who they are willing to put their job on the line for. And if that is Daniel Jones, cool, we'll see. If that is Tyrod Taylor, all right, go for it. If that's the quarterback in the draft, this year, next year, whatever, we will know eventually by a decision that they make when it is really time to rock and roll and expect, to, and expect hey, let's go, the regime's kind of going all in here. And it's going to start with the quarterback, but until that's figured out, win as many games as possible.
0: Yeah, definitely, Justin. And that actually brings us to um, our next point here. I, w- I want to talk about Daniel Jones a little bit. Um, Daniel Jones has really earned my respect as a Giant fan, especially to start this season. Um, that first game, that, that pick in the end zone to, that he was trying to get Saquon uh, in the corner was atrocious. And and I think every Giants fan will say that. But I mean, I think he's done a good job of, of protecting the football. And, and don't get me wrong, the game plan that Calf guys put together has definitely made it easier on him. But I mean, he's not turning the ball over as much. And he's one of the toughest quarterbacks uh, that I've seen. I know uh, next Sunday he's going he's gonna to tape his ankle up, and I think, I think he's going to try and give it a go, unless it's a really high ankle sprain. I, I mean, I, I think this guy wants to be out there, and he's earned the, the whole respect in that locker room, um, definitely. So what do you think? I mean, what are the odds that this guy's here next year?
1: Well, it's very, very much dependent on, I think, if he plays Sunday, because that's been the bugaboo on Daniel Jones' whole career is that, Anytime there's an opportunity for him to gather some momentum, he kind of gets hurt. Um, 2019, got hurt as a rookie. You know, I feel like any games that you miss as a rookie, it's tough. It's tough in your development. 2020, uh, they're coming off the bye, and they're going into Cincinnati. Remember there was a few games in 2020 where the Giants offense kind of started to get rolling a little bit? Remember that home Eagles game where Daniel Jones has a nice rushing touchdown? He almost has a near-perfect game, perfect passer rating game and then remember a big play to Evan Ingram that winds up maybe being a touchdown or at least being close to it. So that giant's offense is rolling. Boom. He gets hurt during that Cincinnati game. And then he comes back and he's a shell of himself because he can't move. Um, 2021, he has one healthy snap without Jason Garrett. One, we were begging for two years for the giants to fire Jason Garrett. They finally do it. Second play of the game breaks his freaking neck, basically. Um, <laughs> so, so, you know, Daniel Jones has really gotten hurt at inopportune times, and then including right now, like the Giants are off to the best start, three and one. The 2022 Giants—that is the best start that they've had in 10 years. The best start. This even includes Eli Manning. This even includes 2016, where they won 11 games that year. They went two and two that year to start, you know, first four games. So, inopportune time to get hurt, even though there are three really tough opponents coming up. You still never—you you never know what's going to happen. Um, so yeah man, uh, I don't think Daniel Jones has done anything to say or to prove that he is not the franchise quarterback uh, this year or that he deserve or let me just say that that he deserves some sort of extension that he deserves to be the starter next year. Yep. but I also think that he definitely has not done anything to prove that he should be the guy here next year. So it's it's week four we're three and one. Jones is playing fine hasn't been playing out of his mind largely because he's getting pressured a lot. What wide receivers is he throwing to? Um, But still, for me, he's got to play 17 games, and the quarterback has to give a little bit more value um, on an EPA basis, points scored basis, if I'm really going to start to think that we should invest in him for the future.
2: Yeah, Justin, I'm actually curious uh, to get your opinion on this. I've asked Tom this a few times um, and throughout actually the past few weeks as the Giants have started to win more games, and his opinion hasn't changed. Um, and the question was, if the Giants are, say, say perhaps they fall shy of the playoffs, um, but they win seven or eight games, all of a sudden— you know, Daniel Jones, I don't know if that's enough for him to keep his job, right? We don't know. If, if he keeps playing like this, like you said, he hasn't done anything to lose the job, but he hasn't done anything to win uh, an extension, and they did not pick up his uh, fifth-year option. So say the Giants are seven or eight wins and they're drafting in the middle of the first round, do you sacrifice future draft capital um, and move up for a quarterback? Or would you rather look at the Giants team that just won seven or eight games and say, hey, maybe we're not that far off as we think, and you go out and sign a guy like Jimmy Garoppolo or Ryan Tannehill who could be available? Um, What are your thoughts on that?
1: I would certainly rather draft a quarterback, even if that involves... Trading picks because I mean Buffalo did, did that with Josh Allen you know they they, they traded up um, they did these, and I think Joe Shane was part of that negotiating process with the Tampa Bay Bucks I think that's the team that they wound up trading up with so Joe Shane already has kind of experience with that at the end of the day like I said and I I don't mean to play the media card here and and just repeat the same thing at the end of the day I want Joe Shane and Brian Dable to get a quarterback that they're willing to put their job on the line for and if that involves Giving giving Jimmy Garoppolo maybe a little bit of chunk of change for two three years, then guess what? <laughs> you made your bed, you're going to lie in it. You that's know true. Dave Gunnelman made his Dave Gundelman made his bed and he and he lied in it with drafting Daniel Jones with drafting Saquon Barkley and it and it just you know those things didn't work you know during his tenure um, even with two different head coaches. So he made his bed, he lied in it, and he wound up getting fired. At the end of the day, Joe Shane Brian Dable, this is going to work if the quarterback works, and that's largely just every single nfl tenure right gm head coach or especially just looking at the gm if the quarterback that you draft if the quarterback that you sign if that guy works you're going to keep your job and you're going to have a great time and if that guy doesn't then you're not going to keep your job so i would rather though um just looking through well this is what the most successful teams have done um i would rather certainly draft a guy you have them for four years cheap. You can pick up the fifth-year option, and then you can build the rest of the roster up. Even if you want to sign some free agents, you can build the rest of the roster up around that quarterback. Right.
3: So um, kind of jumping around, Justin. Um, I love it. Back to the offense. You know, We saw a lot of like condensed double tight end sets. I like what I've seen with Hudson and Bellinger so far. We did a lot of the play action um you think like going forward you think they should just build upon that and then once our receivers get ready to go we can open up a little more um yeah like what do you what do you think offensively our scheme should be moving forward
1: well what i love about this coaching staff this is offensively and defensively it changes week to week so i'm not even going to say that oh that should be their identity moving forward Mm -hmm. because I, I really do think that there's part of Brian Dable that if he had the offensive personnel, there would be four wide receivers on the freaking field at the same time. So I mean, we we could see that one week if Wondell comes back, if Tony comes back. What a what a what a thought! Um, you know, you could have uh, Kenny Galladay's hurt, so you could have Richie James, Wondell, Robinson, Kadarius, Tony, David Stills all on the field at the same time. Man, is that a party? Um, oh, nice. <laughs> you, you know, you, you never know. I never it, it, know. You know, if if you have a team that has really bad secondary, and you find that you know, Richie James and Tony can you know cook, and they and they can do some good things, then sure, if it's going to work, if if it's going to be like the Chicago Bears where they actually were pretty good stopping the pass, but they were bad against the run, so you're going to work, you're going to work play action, they're going to sell out against the run. Sure, that's going to work if you think that you can sneak out an explosive play like you did against Tennessee, where you know replace Sterling Shepard with Darius Slayton now, and maybe he catches a ball. Awesome, you know. I think it's going to change week to week. Like I don't want to. I don't want to pin the Giants' offensive identity down uh, just by saying, "Oh, it worked really well this one game." They ran for 262 yards. That should be their identity moving forward. Right. Um, I do think, just overall, they are going to run the ball because, like I said earlier in the show, I feel like they have to. But just because they ran 12 personnel and 13 personnel a crap ton against Chicago doesn't mean that I think we're gonna go to that every single week um I definitely do think the offense is just going to be ran through Saquon Barkley but it could but it could be through 11 personnel it could be through 13 personnel it could be with Saquon Barkley as a wildcat for an entire series straight because we just don't have a quarterback so uh, this offense is versatile and they can do some different things
3: yeah so building upon that uh I don't know if you got a chance to look at some Packers film yet but where where do you think we should attack them
1: well, I'll tell you what. What we shouldn't do is we shouldn't allow those edge rushers to uh, to to beat us because you know I think they had a pass rush, pass rush win rate uh, week four against the Pats like those you know those two Packers edge rushers Zadarius Smith being included in that um, top two in the NFL. So I um, uh, Andrew Thomas not worried about him like he he is the best I think the best just offensive of lineman in football right now. Not even the best offensive tackle. He's just the best old lineman in the National Football League right now, and that's not even like an exaggeration. I love that the rest of the NFL is now recognizing it. Um, right. The job won't be the job won't be finished, though, until Andrew Thomas starts to get these Pro Bowl and then all Pro Votes. So the job has to – we have to continue to spread the Andrew Thomas uh, rightfully hmm. so propaganda out there. But it's Evan Neal. You know, I, I, I kind of hated this today. I really hated this. You know, there was that – NFL rookie watch tweet that was going around that Evan Neal 21 pass block snap, zero pressure zero hits. Well it's like alright uh, did Daniel Jones what did he have three typical dropbacks in this game the rest of them were play action rollouts nobody's going to be allowing pressure when Daniel Jones is running to the sideline two, a second after the ball snapped. I would hope your offensive line <laughs> aren't giving up pressures then. So it was part of the game plan. I still am worried about you know Evan Neal for right now and sort of this year not worried about Evan Neal like long term because he's been struggling with like the same things over and over again I would rather have like consistent struggles where Andrew Thomas struggled with the same thing every single week as well his rookie year but uh yeah with Green Bay don't allow these edge rushers to beat you um and if that involves having more play action rollouts if that involves giving Saquon the ball more trying to get rid of the ball more quickly um which has been a struggle this year because receivers don't get open um that's my main thing right now is you can't have a pass rush and you can't have so many negative plays on the offensive side of the ball.
0: Yeah, Justin, I definitely agree with a lot of the things you were saying. Um, I think a lot of the reason why Andrew Thomas hasn't gotten the full credit that he deserves around the league is because everyone looked at his rookie year and was like, Ah, like this guy's come on, he, he got picked this high, he's not gonna he's not living up to his to his hype yeah. yet. But I mean you got to look rookie tackles in the National Football League especially left tackles I mean you're going up against Miles Garrett TJ Wiley like you're going up against these top edge rushers you think they're really just going to come straight out of college into the NFL and start protecting the QB like like he's an animal no it's it's not going to happen so you got to progress and I think Thomas has had an insane year I believe his PFF grades at least at 90 now which is like ridiculous yeah and I think yeah. Dexter Lawrence is around the same with his monster game that he had yesterday so
1: yeah yeah, De- Dexter Lawrence actually. So I, I really don't tweet out PFF grades. I try not to. <laughs> I know. It's spotty it, at times, right? It, but I mean, it basically, it's PFF sucks if they, if oh, if they say bad things about the Giants or if exactly. a Giants player has a bad grade. Exactly. It's like PFF sucks. You were saying and that the other day. And now, and now that PFF, you know, PFF graded Daniel Jones well <laughs> against Chicago and Dexter Lawrence, and then especially Andrew Thomas is graded well. Oh, look at this PFF grade. Yeah, yeah. Look at this PFF grade. True. So uh, th- that's why I've tried to stay away from it being like, let's get some like different analysis, but mm-hmm. I'm gonna throw a butt in there. Uh, Dexter Lawrence right now has the highest pass rush grade out of all interior defensive linemen in the National Football League right now. But then also I will give you another stat that tells you how impressive Dexter Lawrence is outside of PFF grade. Um, he is leading the NFL in QB hits amongst interior defensive linemen. Wow. So Dexter Lawrence has been the man in Andrew Thomas we were talking about him i don't know how we got on to the next show. yeah Andrew thomas has been on has been the man as well
0: yeah no you're right i mean like you just said lawrence uh we when we drafted lawrence out of clemson at 17 uh we thought we were getting a premier run stuffer which he's been but i mean you, you wouldn't think really pass rush he's around well like 320 pounds a big dude so i mean we wouldn't expect much from him in the pass rush but this year he's been insanely good in the pass rush and if he's given us that with Thibodeau and Ojulari coming off the edges. That's that's when your defense can get scary and you're starting to build something. You know? Yeah,
2: I, Tom, me, me specifically. I'll admit it right now. I did not think that Dexter Lawrence would have much effect in the pass rush at all because I remember I remember joking with you when he got drafted, it was a video of him. He couldn't even get out of his seat, and I was like, there's no way the Giants just draft this guy who can't move, and uh, sure enough, he's he's been great. I mean, you um, don't get
0: the name Sexy Dexy for no reason. <laughs> honestly, <is> it?
2: <laughs> it's true.
0: Uh, yeah, that's true, but l- like you were just talking about, the Packers edge rush, I'm really excited to see Evan Neal. Where do you think he's going to line up against? I know they got Rashawn Gary, the Jersey kid. I mean, he scares... He scares me. <laughs> I would a huge not huge game week four. So I'm hoping he's lined up yep. against Thomas, but I think he'll probably be against Neal, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, I Depends. don't know what fully what the Packers do. I mean, I'm sure, I mean, similar to Thibodeau and Aziz, uh, you know, they, they probably switch sides and everything like that. So if yeah. somebody's going to be up against Andrew Thomas, I'm expecting uh, to be clamped down. Mm-hmm. And if they're going up against Evan Neal, it's one of those like, well, you know, you're probably going to have some good plays, but then we also got to get ready and prepare for, you know, some disaster reps and some disaster plays. So, Whoever's back there at quarterback, hold on to the ball. Get rid of the ball. Be aware. Um, that's I'm really worried. If, this was I was screaming. This from the stands. By the way, I don't know if you know my buddy Snacks. So I was sitting with my buddy Snacks, who just hates everything, hates <laughs> everything. But then, but then Tyrod comes in and he's like, "Yeah, Tyrod Taylor's a gamer," you know, because t- typical Giants fan, just anything is better than the guy that you have right now. Yeah. You know, the, the the backup QB is always the darling. So then I'm like, I'm like thinking to myself Tyrod Taylor takes so many freaking sacks and you're going to have an offensive line that's giving up so much freaking pressure Taylor's he's going to get killed like we, we criticize Jones for taking a lot of sacks I mean Taylor takes it Taylor makes Jones look like Tom Brady for crying out loud so <laughs> I am that is like a worry this weekend where I Jones may not be ready to go if Taylor is cleared off the concussion protocol then I think there's going to be a lot of sacks that Tyrod Taylor is going to take just because that's the quarterback that he has always been. He will make the play where like he made on Sunday where it's a, it's a spin move and it's electric and he scrambles and it's like, Oh, Tyrod Taylor's mobile. But he also does take a lot of sacks when he doesn't have that kind of downfield vision to either get rid of the ball or to just tuck it and run it. So, that is a worry for this weekend if Tyra plays.
2: Right. I mean, it's going to be tough anyways going into Lambeau against a Packers we're in, team. We're in London, actually. Oh Thank God it, it's not London. Really? Okay. I did not <laughs> know that. Yep. Um, and, yeah, I understand. I mean, the Packers coming off of a game where they had no business being in overtime with the Patriots, uh, especially with the injuries that they dealt with, not only to Mac Jones but to Hoyer as well. You see Zappy come in, a little Zappy magic. Um, but, yeah, so we'll see what the Giants can do. I think um, going back to what Matt asked earlier about, you know, well, what do they got to work, work on in the film room this week? I think I mean, the Packers are, are a very you know, well-balanced team, especially on the offensive end. Um, defense is amazing. We just spent the last five, ten minutes talking about it. But you can look at the, the Dallas game and, and what they did wrong and how, how they can improve um, with the run defense because like Dallas, uh, Green Bay has a really dynamic backfield um, that they're going to have to shut down when they're apparently in London.
1: Leonard Williams needs to come back. Yeah, I mean that's going to be huge. Leonard Williams needs to come back. Yeah, uh, and J- Jalen Smith needs to continue to play. I mean that that's that's the bottom line. Uh, I like Micah McFadden, and this this year is about playing the young guys. Uh, I, I, I get it. Uh, you know that that kind of fan talking point. Like this year is about that. Uh, but at the same time, um, I still want to field a competitive team, and I think Micah McFadden can still get good experience and good reps, and even when Jalen Smith is playing the majority of them, or at least they're splitting reps. So um, those two pieces, Jalen Smith and especially Leonard Williams being back in the middle, Aziz Ojulari and Kayvon Thibodeau, they're still being worked back from their injuries, I think. The second to final drive of the game against Chicago, it was Jihad Ward and O'Shane Dimenes on the field again. And thinking about against Dallas, I understand splitting the reps of Aziz and Kayvon with the other edge rushers against Dallas because they were on pitch counts. Those guys are coming back from two injuries that they had good timelines with and they came back in good time and there was no setbacks, et cetera, et cetera. But let's, uh, let, I, I, like, I like John Ward, O'Shane Zimenez, whatever. let us I, I want to see 70, percent of the snaps, O'Shane, um, excuse me, uh, Aziz O'Jolari and Kayvon Thibodeau, they're out there. So, especially the fourth quarter when the game matters the most. Like, I want those guys out there. So hopefully they're continuing to, Progress well, I, and they're, I'm pretty sure I saw the injury report today. Kayvon Thibodeau back something with his back <laughs> happening, and 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 they're still checking in on a on a Zizo on a Zizo cap. So, who knows if that ask will even be granted by by me? So,
0: yeah, I was uh, scrolling through Twitter a little bit today, and um, I saw a lot of the giant beat reporters with um, the injury news, and it was ridiculous. Oh, we are scrolling my God. through it, it was. Thomas has the, the what is it neck but uh, I was the back spasms. I think yep. they'll be good to go But it's like come on like we let's get healthy here. It's frustrating. I mean, I know it's football yeah. You're getting hit obviously. It's easier said than done, but uh got we were just talking about the run game A guy I just want to touch on a rookie that would have been a rookie this year for the Giants I'm really upset that we got robbed of seeing Darian Beavers the kid from uh, hmm. Cincinnati I know Giants fans were so hyped on him. He looked drafted good in preseason. Him. Yeah, he looked good in preseason I think they uh, Shane drafted him in the sixth, sixth round if I'm not wrong um, Yeah yeah, and he has good frame, good speed. I mean, we were really excited. I'm hoping he'll be good to go for next season. But um, he would have been huge for this defense. I think playing the young guys and all that. So it sucks that we. I think they sing. were
1: banking on him. Yeah, I think so I think, too. I think they were kind of banking on him. Yeah.
0: Yeah. No, definitely. Um, I think we're we're gonna get ready to wrap up soon. But just before we go here, uh, so obviously we know the Eagles, who we hate, um, are 4-0 and they're looking really strong. Do you think the Giants can hang? I'm saying Philly because they're 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 our best team in our v- division. Do you think we can hang with them, assuming Tony and Wandale Robinson obviously are healthy?
1: No. Mm-hmm. I, I don't fair. even mean to be like a hater. Uh, I you, know, you just look at the rosters, and I mean even the, even you look at the line. I mean the, the o line of Philly, they're maulers, and yeah. some of the guys some of the guys that they took chances on. I you know I was watching some Landon Dickerson plays this past Sunday where it's like, oh, it's like, who? Landon Dickerson? Well, he was that guard two years ago from Alabama who had a bunch of different injuries, but now if he if he's like a player for them, that's insane. So, I mean, that offensive line is great. I love having a, what, what is, why am I forgetting our assistant GM's name? Brandon. Brandon oh, Brown. Brown, yeah. I love having Brandon Brown. We poached him from the Eagles to feel better about our O-line and D-line because you look at what they're putting out there, um, it's some really, really dominant stuff that, that they're that they're doing. And, I mean, Jalen Hurts looks good. Like, he, yeah. he is a he is a good thrower of the football this year, and that was the big question on is the NFL going to figure out the Eagles offense and are they going to figure out Jalen Hurts? Like, that was my big question with the Eagles. And if it was a yes, then the Eagles were you know, maybe going to be the same as they were last year. They were going to beat bad teams and they were going to lose against good teams. Um, I don't know if they – I don't think they've really played a great team i mean the jaguars i think might have been the best team that they've played so far this year and they kind of you know they kind of beat them handily after being behind early Mm -hmm. but i just i look at the giants roster and i look at the eagles roster and it's just night and day especially the secondary look at the secondary i mean the fact that you have james bradbury and darius slay on the same team and they traded for that guy for the saints you have basically three cornerbacks that can be cb ones on some teams Mm -hmm. um they have like a pretty pretty good roster i'm not gonna i'm not gonna call it an insane roster but you compare it to the giants i just don't know how the giants can keep up with them but any given sunday you know uh, in, in the two times that they play could be close but i just think overall in this division race uh, i don't really anticipate the giants kind of keeping up with them
0: I, no I, I definitely could agree with that um yeah you really can't say enough about how uh, howie roseman's put that roster together especially after this offseason. um you look at the common denominator and, and look who they got: A.J. Brown. You get your quarterback, a wide receiver. One, it opens up the whole offense. So let, let's just keep our fingers crossed that Joe Shane can can eventually bring that guy to New York.
1: Yeah. Right. Well It should have been Kenny Galladay, right? Yeah. It should have been.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that guy. Who? <laughs> we, we don't mm-hmm. mention his name around
1: here. <laughs> really good blocking game this past Sunday. <laughs>
0: That's what you pay your receiver 25 mil for, right? Uh, run Amen. blocking down the field. <laughs> Amen.
1: All right, Justin.
2: I mean, I wish. I mean, I we we could we could, I'm sure all four of us could talk football all day. I mean, we just spent the last 45 minutes talking about one team. Um, but it's it's been a pleasure having you on. Uh, I look forward to keeping in touch in the future. I mean, you really provide great insight, and this is what you do every day. So, um, just thank you again uh, for coming on our show. You
1: no, know, I appreciate it, and you know for our for our New York Football Jets as well. I mean, when's the last time that the Jets and Giants won at least two games in like this? I'm counting October 1st as the same or October 2nd as the same month, okay? But when's the the last time that the Giants and or Jets won like two games in like a span of 30 days?
2: Well, you're right, Justin. I mean, I actually don't know what to do with myself because usually heading into October, I'm doing mock drafts for uh, the the draft that's uh, nine months into the future. Uh, So we're kind of in some unfamiliar territory, as you said uh, in the beginning of the show. I mean, New York football, there's something special going on right now. And I'll just enjoy it while it lasts.
1: There you go. Enjoy it while it lasts. Enjoy the ride. Thank you, fellas, for, for having me on. Let's do it again sometime. Thanks, Justin. Of course.
2: Appreciate
0: it, Justin. Have a good one, brother.
2: All right, this has been another episode of Call to Comeback. Bobby McInnes, Tom Spallone, Matt McHale, and our special guest, Justin. Thank you for coming on the show, and we'll see you next time.